And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Noah, build an ark. <laughs> we are, uh, boy, it's raining cats and dogs out there, isn't it? Uh, it's... Why don't you just step in a pood- uh, poodle? <laughs> I just stepped it. You're so funny, John. You can always count on John for a, for a good um, pun. Uh, that, or... that, that's an old one. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to take credit for it. Well, you don't have to make them up. Just remember the good ones. That's it. Well, it is raining and pouring. The old man is snoring. Here we go, folks. I hope you are uh, somewhere safe, somewhere warm, somewhere dry, and that you're able to uh, appreciate, of I course. I just saw Gilligan and the Skipper sail by. <laughs> <laughs> floating we're on the 12th floor too that's right uh yeah they just gone by i hope you're somewhere dry and i hope that you're able to uh appreciate we we really do in spite of the fact that it's coming in the form of a storm i think we have to say thank you lord for the rain here we are we still live in south texas uh and i was speaking with a young lady who moved from california talking about the drought the ongoing drought in california they're still not uh, out of it, but we were in a drought for so many years. It seems like, mm-hmm. and then what? But 2013, 2014, or something it began to break, and seems like we've been like getting a, a lot more, a lot more uh, rain. And uh, we we appreciate that, Lord. Thank you. Help to help things to grow and and um, clean the air out. Get all those nasty viruses out of the air, right? Can't we count on it to do that? Anyway, folks, I'm so glad you're along. This is Soapy Dollar, and this is The Bible Live. And this is our quiz show, the one where we try to give you a chance to test your knowledge of the Scriptures, this great book of books. Now, let me tell you how it works. Some of even our most faithful, uh, loyal listeners aren't totally up to... um, totally up to speed about how 
the how how it really works now. By the way, our phone number is 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. Let me make sure I've got all my papers I want to have out here and my questions for you tonight. Um, I'm missing a sheet of paper. What's on that piece of paper? That's yours. Okay, I'll find it. It'll be here in a minute. We're going to have a who's who of the Bible. That's kind of what the books of Chronicles are all about. That's where we find ourselves right now uh, uh, in our Bible reading schedule. We are reading through the entire Bible every year. There it is right in front of me. Uh, And so this is how it works. Um, We... Now you need to go to hear, to give me the chance, the privilege, the honor of reading the Bible for you and reading through the entire Bible every year together. You and I and all of our friends and your neighbors and family members, uh, let's all get together and, and read through the entire Bible every year. And to do that, all you have to do is go to our website, thebiblelive.com, and or you can go to our podcast uh, here at uh, KSLR. It's am630theword.com, or you can go to thebiblelive.com and click on our podcast there at our website, and you can hear uh, all of these readings. Now, these are... These are readings from the New Living Translation, a good, clear, modern version of the Scriptures. Uh, they, they are flawless readings. I make no mistakes, no errors, no uhs, no hiccups, no, uh, oops, I got that wrong. A flawless, perfect reading of the Scriptures, through, thanks to the, the wonderful gift of editing, of course. I have to humbly admit that. But uh, it's a flawless read. Uh, it's read by someone who loves those scriptures, have grown up in those, uh, memorized th- really literally thousands of the scriptures. I've, I've been in this Bible and this book for, um, what, uh, six, over 60 years of my life. I've been in ministry for over 50 years, uh, ministering this, the scriptures and making disciples here in around 35 countries of the world, 50 years on the on the mission field. So it's... it's um, it's a, it's a, uh, 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 what's they call it? A, a something of love, a labor of love. Labor, labor of love. I was going to say a work, a job, a task. It's a labor of love. There it is. So uh, we'll read through the Bible every year, and if you'll join with us, you can go as I said to am six thirty the word dot com. That's the KSLR website. You can click on the podcast, and you'll find all. Of the readings starting, we start in Genesis back in November, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all the way through, and now we're in the book, uh, books of First and Second Chronicles. We just finished up last week our reading in the New Testament, the the great uh, book of transition between the life of Jesus, the Messiah, and the birth and, and uh, the experience of the early church in the first century, the great book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, however you like to think of it. And we just finished that last week, and now we're going back to the pick up where we left off in the in the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures. We're picking up in the books of First and Second Chronicles. Let me see now. This week we started in uh, Chronicles chapter... <laughs> 
I'm, I'm jumping around here trying to find all my, my sheets of paper that I have all of these things written down. There it is right in front of me. We started off um, this week. In the last week, we read Chronicles chapters 1 through 4. And then this week, we're picking up uh, in chapter uh, 5 of the Chronicles and moving on into chapter 24. So that's where we are this week. Uh, anyway, that's what we do, folks. The, if you want to read through the Scriptures together, I want to encourage you, plead with you, beg with you, let's read through them together. If you've never read the Bible yourself, uh, join with us. I'll read the Scriptures to you. You can read them at your leisure, in your car, as you're on your way to work, your commute, uh, wherever you're going, uh, during the week at your computer, at your fi- at your smartphone, you can pick up the podcast and get it there. You can get it at KSLR, the am630theword.com, or you can get our podcast at thebiblelive.com. And, of course, it's it's on a number of the different, uh, what do you call those, carriers, the different podcast uh, servers that you can find it on. So we're, we're available in a lot of different places. I want to encourage you to, let's read through the Bible together. This coming week, uh, we'll pick up at chapter 24, 1 Chronicles, and go right on in to the book of 2 Chronicles. But this past week, we read uh, 1 Chronicles chapters 5 through 24. Uh, we had read those opening chapters in the week before that. So that's what we do. And then here on Sunday night, I put together some questions. I have about 30 or 40 questions in front of me that are, are there to kind of test your knowledge and give you a chance to think through what you, what you retained, what you know of the Bible, and have some fun with it. We're going to put out some questions, and you can give us a call tonight at our phone number, 210-340-9585. Give us a call and uh, answer a question or two, and, and uh, we'll, we'll try to remind ourselves of some of the great people, some of the great events that we pick up on in these chapters 5 through 24 of the book of First Chronicles. All right, let me see. I do want to mention that uh, who who wrote the book of First Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, I want to ask you. That's our first question for the evening. Who wrote? Uh, who do we believe it is? Understand that wrote the books of First and Second Chronicles. They were at one time one book. One historical record, uh, but it's a very selected history. Uh, it, it is gone back. It was a, a compilation put together by the author uh, of the book, and that's what I'm asking you. Who was the author of the books of First and Second Chronicles? It's a selected history uh, put together specifically for the men and women who returned from the 70 years of exile in Babylon. Uh, there were, I think, two or three different groups, um, well, I'm rusty on that detail, uh, that came back from uh, Babylon, made that long journey over, dangerous long journey over back into uh, Israel, and they... Um, took up residence, and they, they built the wall around the city. They rebuilt the, the temple, uh, uh, the altar and the temple there in Jerusalem. And <clears throat> so th- th- this man was a leader among them, one of the leaders, and he wrote this special uh, selected history. It covers the time from... Um, 
I will tell you, it covers the time from King David, which is 1010 B.C., 1010 before Christ, when David began to reign, and then it goes all the way to the year the temple, uh, Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed by the Babylonians. And I want to put that question in there for you as well. Uh, these are very, there are some very important dates that you should remember as part of your understanding of the Bible. Um, so let me get that one uh, out there for you. What year was the temple, uh, Jerusalem and the temple destroyed by uh, the Babylonian, Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians? Okay, what year was the temple destroyed? And maybe we should ask you what year was Samaria destroyed? What year uh, was were the ten northern tribes uh, conquered and taken into exile? Into uh, yeah, maybe I'll even ask you this if you don't mind. What what country, what nation, what empire defeated the uh, northern ten tribes and took them into exile? In, and in what year? All right, that's those are two important dates. For us to to get, we've talked about the dates that have to do with um, the um, the kings of of uh, Israel, um, Saul, and then David, ten ten, then nine seventy Solomon, and in nine thirty, then the kingdom divided. So we've got these key dates that help you think through the Old Testament. What year was were the northern ten tribes defeated, and by what empire, by what country? Uh, if you can, in their capital city, you. If I gave you their capital city, you probably would remember. That'd be a good hint for you. But what year was that, and what year then was uh, the were Jerusalem and the temple destroyed by the Babylonians? If you can give me those two key dates, that'd be real helpful. Uh, those are good dates for you to realize, to understand and memorize, because they are key dates to our understanding of the the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, with a lot of other dates as well, uh, when uh, the when the people of Israel were taken out of Egypt is a good key date. Uh, when the Moses led them out of uh, Egypt, the 40 years in the wilderness, the years that they went into, crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, uh, 25 years of war, then we have some about 325 years under the judges, and then we get to the time of the calling of King Saul uh, and so on. So these are good dates that you need to be able to think through these. So my first two questions tonight, what year were the ten northern tribes uh, defeated and taken into exile? And what year was uh, were Judah, Judah and Benjamin, the Judah in the south, what we know now as Judah, what year were they destroyed, uh, uh, Jerusalem destroyed, the temple destroyed, and they were scattered? Uh, many of them had been taken already before that in three major uh, t- uh, attacks, Nebuchadnezzar had already begun taking out leaders, the members of the royal uh, lineage, and taking them into Babylon for the 70 years of exile that Jeremiah had spoken of. So there you have it. What year was that? Those are key dates. Now tonight, in the book of Chronicles, what we have is a selected history where 
the author, and I've asked you who, who was the author of the books of Chronicles, he gives a selected history because he's trying to remind these men and women uh, who return to Jerusalem. Now, uh, not, not everybody in Israel, uh, just like not everybody in America, although we are thought of as a Christian nation in terms of uh, the primary religious, uh, in terms of religions and practice, the primary religious uh, heritage we have as Americans is Christian. That doesn't mean that every person in America is a Christian by any by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it would be wonderful if it were true, and we work toward that end. But that's the idea: is that uh, although we're we're a Christian nation in one sense, um, not, that doesn't mean everyone is a believer. In the same sense, now Israel is a nation uh, that has a history and a. Uh, um, a lineage, a heritage of faith in the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator, sustainer of the universe. And the uh, God has revealed himself in a special way to and through uh, the people, this particular lineage, this particular people group. Not because they were good or special in any uh, way. God even says that in, in, in very specific words. Not because of their goodness or worthiness, just because of his grace and mercy to them and to the rest of the world. Because he chose them and used them as an instrument of his grace and of his love, as an expression of his love for all the world. It was always about God calling out to every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. But he revealed a progressive revelation of himself, of his purpose for creation, of his redemptive plan, the means by which repentant, humble, grateful, God-loving, God-fearing people uh, in every tribe, every nation of the world, a way that they could be made right with God, only God had only one redemptive plan, one one. One plan that he carried out in history, in time and space, so that all those who love God, who desire God, who want him and honor him from every tribe, every nation every of the world, some of them know a lot more about God than others, uh, But uh, and I'll talk to you a little bit about that. I'm prepared to talk tonight a little bit about to explain to you... Um, that that the Bible is is very unique and it is a very unified work, uh, and I want to tell you a little bit to, tonight about the biblical idea of how men and women are redeemed. And every starting with Adam and Eve and Cain and uh, uh, Abel, and then on to the, his brother Seth, and then to the, all of their children and other children, and as the human race spe- spread, there are certain conditions that that allowed people to be made right with the Creator, to be made right with God. And now we know more now because we have all of that history to look about, look on. But there are certain attitudinal uh, principles, certain uh, certain fundamental beliefs and attitudes toward God that that are necessary for a person to come into the relationship with God. And I want to talk to the, you about that. And that applies uh, that applied to people in the Hebrew Scriptures all the way back to Adam and Eve, uh, all through the uh, time of the Old Testament, all even during. Uh, 
the times in the last, you know, 2,000 years. There were millions and hundreds of thousands of people who were born and died on planet Earth who never heard the name Jesus. They never knew about the Bible. Uh, but uh, they could, they too, had a, uh, were able to be made right with God. They too were able and we will see many of them, according to scriptures, we will see them in glory. We will see them in heaven. I'm a Native American. I'm full-blooded Mescalero Apache from the res- reservation down in southern New Mexico. And uh, my particular lineage, my particular uh, uh, heritage, uh, ethnic heritage, uh, is with Native peoples, First Nations people here across uh, the United States and Canada. And uh, let's say... 200, 300 years ago, uh, of course, there were tribes all over, native tribes all over North America. Three, four, five hundred years ago, they didn't know about Jesus. They never heard about the Bible. Uh, And yet, I'm convinced, in having read history about some of the different people groups and so on, there were many among them who were good uh, men and women that they met the qualifications that the Scriptures lay out that the characteristics of men and women who are are right with God, who whom God receives to Himself, and so uh, now there's no other Savior, there's no other redemptive plan except Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. Uh, there is He is no one will be in heaven apart from the work that Jesus, who Jesus was and what He accomplished. Uh, there are. There are many people in heaven who did not know about Jesus. They didn't know about him. They never knew about it. They didn't have a Bible and so on. But no one will be in heaven apart from who he was and his work. That's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, all, all men and women from Adam and Eve to today, every human being on planet Earth, <coughs> has the opportunity to be right with God uh, through uh, the work of Jesus, whether they knew Jesus' name and his work or not. But here are the, here are the principles that, they, that God looks to. Uh, in the first place, one of the most repeated principles in all the Scriptures is humility. God resists the proud, but he raises up the humble, the broken, the poor in spirit. So uh, in all those years, if there's a man who is humble before the Creator, humble before God, uh, humility is a basic. And then there is a there's a, birth, a basic desire for God. God reveals Himself to every human being. Uh, we have what we call uh, the general revelation through the world around us, through the the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons, the rain, the storms, the ocean, the mountains, through the beauty and glory of the created world, God reveals himself, his power, uh, his might, his his benevolence to us, his love and goodwill. Uh, We're told all of this in the book of Romans. If you want to read the first two chapters of Romans, God reveals himself to every human being through the things that are created, and not only the exterior creation, but also to the interior, to the nature of man. When we look inside and see, we, we have this special awareness of ourselves, this special awareness of, of the world around us, and we, we have this self-awareness 
that we have that the, for example, the animal kingdom does not have. We, uh, we, God, is, the Bible says God has placed eternity in our hearts. So uh, the one who's made right with God is one who is humble before God, who truly desires God, who wants to know God and be right with God, and it is grateful for the life that we have and grateful for the Creator. Uh, and the blessings of this life. That Those are attitudes that are fundamental. You read them in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, these are fundamental attitudes of men and women who uh, are seeking after God. And then there's faith. They depend on God, not self. They're not depending on their self. They're not depending on idols and false gods and false uh, philosophies and man-made philosophies and religions. They are people who who depend on God. They know that they they do not deserve a relationship with God, but they depend on His mercy, on His forgiveness, on His grace. Uh, that is a principle that we see all through the Hebrew Scriptures as well. What they do know of God, they they trust in in, in God, and they uh, believe in, and depend upon Him. And then, of course, uh, since there are different levels of light, we have different understandings. Uh, different people have more knowledge of God than others. Uh, this is what the parable of the the uh, talents was all about in the New Testament. Uh, some people have one talent. Some people have three. Some people have five. Uh, you and I, probably because of the of our the world we live in, it's all likelihood that most of the people listening to my voice tonight, you have we have five talents. You've been given the full. Measure of the revelation of God, not only history, not only nature, not only the inner witness of our heart and our spirit, uh, creation, consciousness, and human conscience. Uh, we have that, but also we have the light of the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. We have that light. So we have all five talents, but those who have one or two, they can be made right with God. But if you respond to the light you have received from God, you will all the all the benefits of the whole work of redemption is applied to your life, and you will be responsive to uh, additional light. God is going to give you more light if you accept the light of the gospel that you have now. God is going to keep building you and giving you more light about Himself, about His His redemption, about yourself, and you'll be receptive to all the light that God gives you. To who, Him who has little, God will give you more. If you respond respond to what little you have, God's going to give you more light to be able to appreciate and experience Him even more. We'll come back and talk about it a little bit more in depth. I want to make this clear to you tonight because it's it's important that we look at that when we're talking about the Hebrew Scriptures as we move through the into the New Testament. There is a crimson thread. There is a work of redemption that runs through, and it's one work. It's not several different works. One work of redemption. There's our music. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from The Bible Live. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. Don't go away. Give us a call. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Oh, you are... Oh, you are. And it's a new horizon. I'm set on you. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. How many of you remember the flash mobs from back in, what was it, the 90s or even later? Maybe? 2000s, I think. Yeah, the 1990s or so on. Remember those flash mobs that used to show up in an airport or some public place and all of a sudden on some signal they would all whip off their jackets and they would become a, a dancing group or a singing choir or something? I think that was a predecessor to uh, these virtual flash mobs. And that's what this is, right? Well, it's a bunch of kids. <clears throat> Yeah, this video, uh, I saw this online. It's a, it, a bunch of kids from different countries, you know, like South Africa, here in the U.S., the U.K., Australia, New Zealand. Asia, And yeah. they all came to, yeah, they all came to uh, together virtually online and put together this song called The Blessing. Yeah, it was wow. done earlier this month. And out of the mouths of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. A child shall lead them. Thank you, John. That was a great, great uh, lead-in. All right. Let's get back to our topic tonight, the books of First and Second Chronicles, this selected history. And no one's called us yet. I, I realize you probably have a little bit of noise on your phone or your TV or your, I'm, I'm sorry, your radio. Uh, sound like Joe Biden, don't I? Uh, <laughs> get your record player out, folks. Um, no, but you probably got some noise there on your radio. But uh, Hopefully you can stay with us. It's going to be worthwhile. We're going to learn some important things about this book of books. Uh, we're giving you some key dates. I'll mention those already again. That what year was the were the ten tribes in the north? What we know as Israel. Remember, uh, after the reign of King Solomon ended uh, in um, nine thirty, was it it uh, David? In 1010, and then 970 was Solomon. In the 930, his reign ended at 930, and um, the kingdom divided. The ten northern tribes broke away from the Judah and Benjamin in the south and under Solomon's son. Uh, And 
Rehoboam was his name, and the, the ten tribes broke away, and they maintained this this separate relationship uh, for uh, well over 100 years. Um, Samaria uh, was their capital at one time. Their capital moved around. Samaria was their final capital. Uh, they, right off the get-go, they... they uh, they left from following after the uh, laws of God. They left uh, worship exclusively of the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They built idols in the north and the south, and they followed after all of the false gods and idolatry of the nations around them. Not everyone, of course, not every single person in the ten northern tribes by any stretch, but again, uh, the the. Uh, consensus of thought and of faith and of understanding and of belief uh, when against God, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, against God's commands. And so the ten northern tribes were destroyed in 722 B.C. Uh, 722, the king of uh, Assyria, in the north, with their capital was Nineveh. Maybe that makes you, if I say the word Nineveh, doesn't that make you think of Jonah? Remember, Jonah was one of the prophets that was called to go and and announce judgment, pronounce judgment over Nineveh and the people of the the Assyrian Empire. But they repented, and the judgment was held off for about a hundred years. But uh, Nineveh was the capital of the empire, the Assyrian Empire in the north. And that was 722 B.C. And then a little over 100 years later, uh, and uh, let me see, 622, then uh, yeah, it was about 100, somewhere 150, 135 to 140 years later, uh, Judah and Benjamin were also, uh, Israel uh, and Judah in the south became ripe for judgment, and God used Nebuchadnezzar. And the people of Babylon. Remember uh, uh, all of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, others uh, had been taken into exile. Many had stayed, but there was uh, four four to six thousand, if I remember correctly, who made uh, in two or three different groups migrations back from Babylon back to Israel. And most of the people who would dare to make that long and dangerous journey, they made it. They most of them would make that journey uh, because of their faith. It was a primary aspect of their uh, making that journey was that they believed in the in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They believed in God's calling on them as the people, uh, uh, the the uh, people of God, the people of Israel, uh, uh, the children of Israel. Um, and they made that trip to a great extent, almost all of them, not all of them again, but all of them had an element of faith. Now, some made the journey because they had property. They had land that they owned, homes that they owned back in Jerusalem that they hoped to go back and find that their land was still there, that their home was still there perhaps, and that they, could, uh, they had uh, a financial interest to get back to the land. But uh, almost all of them, too, as we see in the book of Chronicles, uh, almost all of them as well were responsive to God, to faith, uh, and, and that was a part of their decision to return to Israel. And that will come out clearly as we read through the books of First and Second Chronicles. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you who wrote the book of First Chronicles. Uh, it was a scribe 
uh, a teacher of the law named Ezra. Ezra was the one. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah also came over uh, with uh, with the emperor's permission, Artaxerxes' permission. He came over to help rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. We'll, we'll read about Nehemiah uh, after we finish the books of Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and so on. But uh, now Ezra has written this selected history from the time of... of um, David to the time of the destruction of the temple, and he only focuses on the kings of Judah in the south. That is the focus of the books of First and Second Chronicles. Now, if you read the books of First and Second Kings, that's one of the things that makes it a little difficult as a history to read because uh, it records the history of both the kings of Judah in the south and the kings of Israel in the north. If I remember correctly, there's somewhere around 22 kings of both the north and the south during their period. The kings in the north of Israel did not last as long. Uh, their governments were far more unstable, and they they moved more quickly through the different kings in their uh, history. Uh, but at the same time, the, the, uh, like I say, there are about 22 kings in each of the different uh, uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Uh, so there you have it. There's where we come to the book of Chronicles. Uh, Ezra is writing this so that he can remind the people who have returned now to Israel, he can remind them of who they are, who uh, whose they are, who they belong to, their God, the 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 um, uh, the, the testament the covenant that god had with the people of abraham isaac and jacob the people of israel so ezra is reminding them of that of their history of their heritage of faith in the true and living god now also at the same time as you see the opening uh books the opening chapters of the books of first and second chronicles are he starts a descendancy he starts out uh from Adam, and then he went to Seth and Enosh. So you can see he, he uh, one of the things that, that Ezra is highlighting here is the fact that this great division in the human race, uh, from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, he skips over Cain and Abel altogether. He skips directly to Seth because he's going to be basically following, essentially, not not entirely, but essentially following and emphasizing in his history the 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 stream of the of the redeemed uh, in the Old Testament. That Seth was the replacement child that God gave to Adam and Eve when Cain killed Abel. Now Seth became the the uh, father of the lineage of believers uh, and the people who believed in God and kept on worshiping God even as the human race was expanding. In those first eleven chapters of the of the book of Genesis, Seth is the head of the the that stream of humanity that continued to follow and worship God. Now it was a diminishing number, a diminishing population, because by the time we get to uh, Noah 
uh, chapter 7 of the book of Genesis, uh, all of the human race had left off from following God, and they were following false gods and idols, and they abandoned the worship of the true and living God, and uh, were wicked in every way, and so God... That's why God brought about the the general uh, judgment on the human race, and out of that uh, human race of that time, only eight people were saved, were preserved. And uh, remember the great flood in the book of uh, chapter 7 of Genesis, the great flood under Noah. It kind of reminds me of a night like this. <laughs> the lightning flashing and the rain is falling in bucket loads. Uh, remember that old... We were just remembering that old song that we used to sing back in the 70s. The Lord said to Noah, there's going to be a floody, floody. Lord said to Noah, there's going to be a floody, floody. Get those animals out of the muddy, muddy children of the Lord. Well, the singing is not that great, but remember, we have that remembrance of the flood, uh, uh, the general flood of Noah, the universal flood that destroyed the human race, except for Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives, eight people. And God began again the human race with them. And then came along uh, in chapter 11 of Genesis, we came the next big incident, the great event was that God confused the languages. Because for both Adam and Eve and Noah, when Noah got out of the ark, one of the first things God tells him is to be fruitful, multiply, spread out over all the earth. God had told Adam and Eve the same thing, but they but they did not follow his instructions. The human they did not spread out. They, God intended there to be different people groups around planet Earth. There would be people who lived on the islands, people who lived in the desert, people who lived in the mountains, people who lived in the uh, the valleys and uh, all the different environments, people that live in the northern poles and so on. The, it was God's intention that there were, they would spread out. There would be people, different people groups. They would develop different cultures, different societies, different languages, different ways of dressing, different ways of cooking foods and so on. That was God's intent and design is that the human race would spread out and multiply, but neither Adam and Eve and their uh, descendants nor uh, Noah and his descendants, they didn't do it. And what you see there in chapter 11 of Genesis is the human race, uh, they insist on sticking together. And for spiritual reasons, you know, that they would not be divided, that in case there's another flood, in fact, they built these towers, these huge high towers over in Babylon. Uh, I forgot there's, there was a name for them, and I'm, I'm not coming to me right this moment. Uh, there's a Hebrew name for it, but they built these towers. They were trying to defeat the purposes of God, defeat any judgment that God might bring upon them, and they would dis- They said, "Let's stay together. Let's not spread apart." Uh, and for their pride and their arrogance, well, God went ahead and accomplished His purpose by confusing their languages uh, and different. Uh, there was a flowering, a, a a harvest of languages that took place very quickly, and the people were spread by their confusion into different people groups. Now, why was that important to the plan of God? God's plan involved the human race expanding over planet Earth, and it was important that they spread out and that the human race expand and multiply. And uh, that was part. And the only way they could do that is if they were competing people groups. 
Already we saw that if they were left to their own designs in one language, one culture group, one people, they would walk in lockstep to wickedness, idolatry, and to judgment, the judgment of God. They would not, they would not endure. The race would self-destruct. And so it was important that they spread out, that there be competing people groups. We still have wars, but we don't have the whole world being destroyed. One nation will rise against another and another. Uh, it's a history of warfare, but it, we, the whole human race isn't wiped out uh, in, in, in the plan that God has put together. These competing interest groups, competing cultural national groupings. So that was a part of the plan of God to do so that the human race could expand and endure and multiply, and so that out of the human race, God is calling a people for himself. Out of the expanding millions and then the, now the billions, God is calling out from all around planet Earth, today even, a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So God is calling people who know him, who love him, who desire him, who respect him, who are humble before him, who are grateful to him, who are depending upon his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, not upon their own self-righteousness, not upon their own false religions and false philosophies, but upon God and his goodness, his grace. And God has given uh, a growing witness as the human race has expanded. God has given a, a, an increaser, a, a greater amount of light and revelation of himself and his plan for human race as the human race expanded. And so that's what we see. There's only one redemptive plan, one God, one redemptive plan, one people of God. But the revelation of God has given us is progressive and has expanded and and. Man is held responsible for the same response. Even though we don't all have the same amount of information, um, we do all have this, the, the opportunity for the same responses. Now, the more information we receive, the more responsible we are. Uh, that's a basic principle that comes from the Scriptures, uh, that uh, the, more, the more light we have, the the more we are responsible for God to respond to him, the more light we respond to, the more light God will give us. And those who truly respond to the light that they have received from God, if they truly receive from the light that they have received, they will, all of the benefits of the whole work of redemption is applied to their life, and that God says he will give them more light. He will increase their understanding and give more light for them to experience him and grow with him more and more. Those are all principles from the Bible, from the Hebrew and the New Testament scriptures. Those are the principles that work. Now, that's why it's, it's so important uh, that Jesus told, for example, in John chapter 8, uh, the Pharisees, there were some people in Israel Almost, I mean, all of the early believers of Jesus were, uh, in the main, Jewish men and women. Peter, James, John, the disciples, their families, the women that followed. Now there were there were many Gentiles. There was that Roman centurion we read about. There was a Doctor Luke. Uh, remember, Luke was a, a, a Gentile physician who followed after the true and living God. There was uh, Ananias and Sapphira. There are many uh, Apollos, uh, a Greek uh, person in the New Testament. Many, many, many non-Jewish men and women got swept into God's kingdom and became part of Israel, grafted into Israel, because of their faith in Jesus the Messiah. 
Uh, they believed in God, the God, the creator and uh, sustainer of the universe. And when they heard the message of God's redemptive plan through Jesus uh, and the Messiah, they saw the prophecies that were fulfilled in his life. They saw the quality of his life. They saw his death, burial, and resurrection. And they saw the transformed lives of his followers. And they believed in him and trusted that greater light, the brightest light we have from God, is the light given to us in and through the life of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah. That's what we're told in the book of Hebrews. In centuries past, God revealed himself through the prophets and through all of the, the, the experience of the Hebrew people and God's working and dealing with them. But finally, it says, God, in these latter times, God has revealed himself to us through his Son, Jesus the Messiah, uh, a perfect light and expression of the nature and the work of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, uh, all see, so you can see there's one continuing revelation. Yes, it's progressive. We know more now, uh, or we have the opportunity to know more now because of the the witness and the testimony of those who've gone before us. But uh, the 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 attitudes and the responses are those that that people uh, any people could have at any time. If they just humble themselves before God, uh, they desire God, want to know God, they want to be right, they're grateful to God, full with gratitude for life and for God that has given us that life, and they're willing to depend on God's mercy and forgiveness and grace, not on their own self-righteousness, not on their own goodness. They're humble enough to recognize that 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 we are sinful, that we are that we are frail, and we are uh, prone to wander from God, and so we need God's forgiveness. So we don't depend on our own self. We we look to God's grace and mercy uh, for forgiveness to receive us. And then, as Jesus, the Messiah, and the promises of even the Hebrew Scriptures were there, we could believe in a God of forgiveness. That's one of the things I remember Jacob used to tell us all the time, my uh, Jewish uh, Hebrew um, co-host for many years. Uh, he'd always remind us that one of the great truths about God that the people were reminded of when they came out of Egypt was that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was a God who forgives, a God who forgives, a God of second chances. And, and so that... Uh, that is what we see. So there, there is kind of an overview of the redemptive plan of God all through the times of, um, the, I have mentioned before, the history of the Old Testament into the times of the, of the, uh, the uh, kings of Israel, Saul and David and Solomon, and then later Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and then their sons and sons, the kings after them in the, in the um, uh, kingdom of the north in Israel, the kingdom of the south in Judah. And then they were destroyed by the Assyrians, 722 B.C. in the north. Uh, Samaria was destroyed, and the people of Israel were taken into exile uh, with, in chains and hooks through their noses. They were taken, marched out of their nation, never to return, never have been reconstituted now. And then the um, tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin, in 586 B.C., they too were just conquered and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the the Babylonian Empire. 
Uh, after the Babylonians came the uh, Medo-Persian empires, and, and then, of course, the Greek empire, then the Roman empires. All of these were seen and predicted by Daniel, the great prophet Daniel, uh, who had been taken into uh, Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, so we see, I hope you can begin to see a little bit of the history in a short form at least, the history and the story of God's dealings with the people. Now they returned from their Babylonian exile, the 70 years of exile, that is normally measured from 586 B.C., 586 B.C., when the temple was destroyed and uh, Jerusalem destroyed the great uh, lamentations, the great uh, Jeremiah's Book of Lamentations, the sadness, the, 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 the slaughter, actually, that took place in the time of, of uh, Babylon, the Babylonian exile. Uh, that took place. The people were scattered all over um, that time and period. And that was when we began to exercise the uh, Hebrew people began to exercise and develop the synagogue once the temple was destroyed. And so now we have them scattered after 70 years from 586 to 515 B.C. 515 was the year when they finished the reconstruction of the temple, the altar and the temple in Jerusalem. So that's the 70 years that are measured there for us, the time of the destruction of the temple and the rebuilding of the temple. Then uh, at that time now they begin to come back and... Chronicles, Ezra is giving them a reminder, a history of their their heritage as the people of God back in Israel. That's how, boy, this segment flew by quickly. I've covered a lot of ground. I hope it's been helpful to your understanding of the Scriptures. We'll come back for one final segment, and I'll ask you about some who's who. Who are some of the main people that Ezra mentions in the book of the Chronicles? This is Soapy Dollar. Give us a call, 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. If you have a question, uh, if you have an answer for any of our questions, or maybe just want to talk about God is and God, what God's Word means to you. Evan is on the line. We'll come back and pick up his call and yours too right after this break. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Where are you? Come rise and sing. How sweet the sound of our victory. Oh, death, where are you? Where is your sing? How sweet the sound of this victory. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. The glory. Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. The honor of the name. All right, we are back. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing the glories of that name. We are back. This is our final segment of the Bible Live. We're looking at the books of First and Second Chronicles. Uh, this past week we read... 
First Chronicles chapter five through twenty-four. This coming week, we'll move right on. We'll pick up there in chapter twenty-five and move right on into the book of Second Chronicles. So I hope that you'll join us. Let me get the phone call to Evan. And but before I do that, Evan, let me remind our folks how they can how they can join with us as we read through the Bible. Make sure you go to uh, AM630, The Word, right here, KSLR in San Antonio, am630theword.com. Go to that website, click on podcast, go down to the Bible Live, and there you have all of our readings. The whole Bible laid out the past six months uh, we've been reading through the Bible. You can hear every reading, a 15 to 20 minute Flawless, perfect, beautiful reading from the God's Word, uh, and uh, every just start with us. If you start this week with us and listen through uh, faithfully all through the year, Monday through Friday, a fifteen to twenty minute Bible reading every weekday. We'll give you the weekends off. We'll get, let you go to church and read on your own a little bit, but then we'll get right back to us on Monday through Friday, and we'll read through the entire Bible together. Then here on Sunday nights, uh, when you've listened to the scriptures the week before, I have at our website, thebiblelive.com, you'll find all of the questions I'm asking you are laid out there for you each week so that you can uh, do a little study on your own. You can be ready for our little quiz show and be able to answer some of these questions as we talk through and review the readings from last week. I hope that you'll join with us. I'd love to read through the scriptures to you and with you all through this coming year. Let's go to our phone and pick up with Evan. Evan, can you hear me all right out there in Radio Land? Well, the radio is a little crackly, but I was able to hear. I'm so glad of that. <laughs> I, I hear a little crackling on my phone, my earphones as well. But I'm hoping that everyone can hear and that we're able to uh, study the books of First and Second Chronicles a little bit together tonight. Uh, I appreciate you calling in. Are uh, you getting some big rain in your part of the city yet? Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty much passed by. It's down to sprinkles now, so it's not too bad. I see. You but must it, be... We're coming down in buckets there for about 30, 40 minutes, though. Are you down in the southern part of the of the, of the city? Uh, oh, kind of like uh, 410 and uh, uh, Northwest Military. Okay, yeah. Okay, it's moving. So, I think it is moving north uh, east. So I guess correct. it would have gone over you and and uh, and it was headed up toward uh, the airport and that part of the part of the city. Uh, correct. Well, I sure am <laughs> glad to hear from you. What's on your mind tonight? Did you have a a little talk a little a, bit about uh, answer a question or maybe you had something else on your mind? I had a quick comment and a, and a question, and the, the comment was is you know since the government had shut down the churches for so long, is I kind of. Uh, better understood what David said. I rejoiced when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was kind of glad to be able to go to Sunday night church the last two Sundays. Oh, good for so. you. You did you did get to go to church? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it makes us all appreciate it when, you know, when we've, we've been with <laughs> a it for a little while. Now we realize how much we need it. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, the, the question I had is I heard a comment that uh, first, uh, the Kings were written kind of like from man's point of view, and Chronicles was kind of written from God's point of view. I, I was I wondering what you thought of that. That's a good, good, uh, I haven't read that, but I think that is a very good uh, perspective. It, 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 the thing to understand is that they were written with different objectives. I suppose that you would call First and Second Kings were uh, and we think that, if I remember correctly, the kings, the record of the kings, uh, mm-hmm. some some of that was put together, I believe, 
by um, by uh, Samuel, the early chapters. Okay. But I I can't remember now how uh, a number of the references in the Kings they come from the books of the Kings of Japha. You know, the, there are several books that are written. But you're right. I, I think it was more of a classical sense of a of a history. Now, it's not that they ignored God, and not that God was less important because they still do have some very important spiritual lessons, and there, you know, <laughs> some, and, and it definitely references God. But you're right. That is a more more of a history in a classic sense. Whereas Ezra had a very specific purpose with the chronicles, it only covered from uh, the king, you know, David to to the destruction of the temple. It only covered the kings of Judah. Uh, and okay. So it was highlighting the the the, the heritage of faith. It was highlighting uh, the, the the godly kings to to a great degree, the lineage of David. Right. The king, the ancestry of David, through which the Messiah was going to come, and so on. So I, I think you're right. He had a very specific. Ezra had a very specific purpose, and uh, it makes it a very special book. Uh, even from yeah. the, even from the chronologies, you know, the the genealogies. I'm sorry, in the opening chapters, uh, he he talks about uh, so many of them: Seth, Methuselah, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Peleg. Terah, Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, Keturah. As you go through those those uh, genealogies, a lot of people complain about the genealogies because they're boring or whatever. But they're not. They're not. Boring. Uh, if, if you're not really uh, immersed in it, it's like uh, I'm reading all these names and they're not English and not Spanish and not German. Nothing we can relate to particularly. You know, the, <laughs> the yeah. names are so odd. You know, so it's hard for the Westerners anyway to comprehend. You know, we understand the importance of it, but. It's hard to wade into it just because of the names. Yeah, and you're exactly right. But it is a good if if you can ever kind of get. That's why I work hard, try to give people a kind of a, a kind of an overview of the Hebrew scriptures, so they get the big picture. Because if you jump right into the middle of any of these books, right in the middle of a story and an episode. <laughs> It could be a interesting story, could be an adventure, you know, it should be a battle or something like that. But even right. then, you 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 if you understand the big picture of the whole redemptive plan and what God is doing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the people of Israel, then mm-hmm. I think it takes on a lot of these names take on a great meaning because they show us not not only are they in themselves are stories of faith and redemption, and we can learn from their experiences, but also it shows the, the God at work through history. Uh, you know, right. we see that God is in control of history. History is His story, as some people have said, and we see right. God at work to bring about His plan. So it's uh, I, I I like to try to get people interested in in knowing these names and recognizing them and watching. Does the plan of God has unfolded through history because the same plan is still going on in our world today you know this this coronavirus in china and 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 uh, the nations over in the middle east and all it's god is the same God is still at work today. Well, in the Middle East, it always stays the same. They hate each other, want to kill each other until Jesus returns, it seems like. <laughs> that hadn't changed at all. Not very much. You're right. You're right. Evan, I'm so glad you called. I really appreciate hearing from you. You bet. Well, God bless you and your ministry because you're doing God's work of spreading the word, His word, not 
your own opinion. So I appreciate what you're doing Thank so you, much. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. Talk to you next all time, right. all right? You can give us a call just like Evan did. We can uh, hear you loud and clear. I'd like to hear your thought on perhaps even this idea of the genealogies, perhaps the ideas of the the whole redemptive plan of God, the picture of God's redemptive plan as we see it carried out year after year, century after century, uh, through, uh, through the history of the Old Testament, all building up to the time of Messiah. When the Redeemer would come, when the when the redemptive plan of God will have been played out completely. The Old Testament, the, the main character of the Bible from beginning to end, the main character is the Messiah. In the Old Testament, the, 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 for, <laughs> the Messiah is foreseen. He's predicted. He's prophesied. He is, uh, his portrait is painted. He were told things are going to be true of him What's going to happen, so that we don't miss him. And so we, his descendancy is laid out before us. And, and, and we see pictures of the Messiah all through the Hebrew th- Scriptures, through the priesthood, through the priesthood's garments, through the tabernacle, through the temple. Uh, over and over again, we see pictures of God's redemptive plan uh, based upon a, a substitutionary atonement. The, all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament were pointing toward the ultimate sacrifice. We're not going to be redeemed and taken to the heaven by the blood of goats and bulls and sheep and, and sacrifices, animal sacrifices. They were pictures of, they were symbols of, they were that, that of the seriousness of sin. People would see blood shed because of sin, and they understood that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But it's not the blood of bulls and goats, but God would send his Redeemer, his Savior, his Messiah, uh, the hero who would come and who would voluntarily uh, live a life of faith and trust and obedience and submission to the Father, a perfect life of faith and obedience and dependence. What a man! What a man of faith Jesus of Nazareth was. What an incredible, what a just almost unbelievable thing that he did. Uh, You know how hard it is for us, any one of us that would try to set out to live uh, for God and trust God in every attitude and every thought and in every word and every action of our life. Oh, and we try so hard because we want, as God's people, we want to live for him. But but as the old hymn says, we are prone to wander. We we have that impulse to selfishness and sin, and, and and as much as we try, but Jesus did it. He actually did it, and he didn't have any. It wasn't because he was God. Oh, it was easy for him. He was God. He he was forbidden. The requirements of the Messiah was that he live entirely his life entirely based on faith and trust and submission and dependence on the Father. He was not able to exercise his own uh, prerogative, his own initiative, his own rights and authority as God. Nothing, not one miracle, not one word did Jesus, not one miracle did he do, not one word did he preach of his own power, his own initiative, his own uh, authority as God. He only preached and taught. John 5 tells us that twice, at least. In other passages, Philippians chapter 2, he emptied himself. His, his challenge, even though he was God and he knew he was God because of the, the Scriptures, told him, he understood by faith that he was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he acted on that received it. But he knew it by faith, not because he remembered back when he sat on the right hand of God. 
he had to walk and live by faith and trust as a man as a man that he was that messiah that he was the son of god the messiah uh, god in the flesh and, and he did that for you and me what an amazing thing uh, but that's the the old testament now is looking forward to that time in chronicles in particular uh we see Ezra here is reminding the people of who they are so that they would remember now who you are. You are the people of Israel, the people of God. We love God, trust God, obey God, and God is going to be blessing us and keeping us, preserving us, and he is going to bring the Messiah through our lineage, through our people. That's that's what we're some of the things that we're reminded of now from the book of Chronicles. Let's go to our call and pick up with my good friend Harold. Harold is calling in tonight. I'm so glad to hear from you, Harold. Are you well and good and fully clothed and in your right mind? Uh-oh. Do I have Harold? I, I think I pushed the right button. Let me see. Harold, are you there? There you are. Oh, right. oh good. <laughs> it's always the wrong button, buddy, but I, I got it this time. Good to hear from you. Well, that's good. How are you and your family doing and with the virus and all this sort of thing? Well, with that kind of stuff, uh, we're doing okay. Uh, what I did notice that, you know, since a bunch of us have been at work, the people that are starting to come back, they're a little bit, uh, yeah, you can tell that they're, I can't really describe how they feel, but they're not used to being around people as much. I know they, they seem to be I a think, little I think, scared or something. I think they're a little shell-shocked. <laughs> shell-shocked, there you go. That's maybe a better term. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've all been uh, alone for so long, it's kind of like come blinking out of our caves, you know. <laughs> and then when I see them also, you know, I'm not used to seeing them around the corner, and I'll kind of jump myself. So it's, you know, <laughs> It goes both ways, but, you know, um, yeah, I was on the phone for a little while. I kept thinking maybe the weather was bad, so I couldn't get in. But, uh, you know, we had our own Bible study real, uh, over there, at, um, you know, but now it's on Zoom, so, you know, so we're not in person That's anymore. Right. Yeah. And so, But it's still okay. You know, my wife has been started to watch also. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, we were in uh, Genesis Chapter 17 about uh, Abram and starting to get circumcised and why he was circumcised and the reason for it and oh, yeah. just just talking about all that jazz and actually I accidentally went to uh, Genesis uh, three nine instead of Genesis seventeen nine and but it turned out to be a good thing and I will tell you the NLT Bible as all the references. 9 says, Genesis 3, 9 says, Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? And the reference, Where are you? And the reference says, which is real nice, says the real question was, Where are you hiding? And we had some discussions. Uh, uh, you know, I have some good Jewish friends, and I know some rabbis and stuff like that, and I'm real blessed, you know, with that. And sure. They were discussing, uh, one in particular, was discussing that Adam was born circumcised. And <laughs> That's interesting. I, well, and the idea was, is that as they, as he sinned, or when they, they committed that sin, the foreskin started to grow. But the other thing is, in Hebrew, there is no word for foreskin. 
So we just have to assume it's that. I mean, you know, there's so much. That's right. And so, you know, so the idea of Abraham, Abraham being circumcised was to go back and to be, get back into the covenant of God. And, and recover, that was the sign of it. Kind of the sign of recovering that redeemed state that uh, well, or, or being I got to tell God. you I get it you know I got to tell you so as well well you know what you handled that so well I'm glad I can call here because I was just debating because even people on our Bible study was just kind of wanted to just throw that out the window just real quick but I do know the sages and the uh you know the people from ancient times they do and understand that to be true and i'm sure the <laughs> orthodox do orthodox rabbis do too but i've been going back and forth and so i don't think i'm concerned about why he was hiding i talked to a friend of mine and uh i do miss your co-host um Me too. i talked to a friend of mine and I, I think now adam was hiding because maybe his foreskin was growing and he that was the only difference that would you know that there would be something different. I don't know if he let me, huh. you know, he just said, well, that sounds good, Harold, but, you know, I wasn't there. He didn't say it quite like well, that. Yeah, that's but. what any of us would have to say in reality. I, yeah. I, I think the general principle, the broad principle is that we're in agreement that the consequences of uh, the sin of Adam and Eve, the consequences of their disobedience to God was that sin came into the world and through them into the human race and, uh, and so the details, we, like you say, we weren't there exactly. And, of course, we don't know if Adam was born with a navel, for example, or with yeah. foreskin. Uh, we don't know that. Man, you handled that well. I just got to say that again, please. You handled that so well. I'm so <laughs> glad. I don't think I can talk to any preacher in town and he would say, you know, I don't know what he would say, yeah. but I'm so happy that you handled that so yeah. well for me. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I think it's a good thing that we can admit that, you know, as long as long as it doesn't contradict a fundamental of a truth and reality of the Scriptures, uh, if we try to tie it together and kind of make sense of it, uh, it's not a bad thing. And, you know, someday in glory, we're all going to find out Probably we'll we'll talk to Adam and Eve and we'll ask them, you know, hey, what do you, what do you go through there? <laughs> yeah. But but anything that helps us to understand and make sense uh, and helps us to move forward, of course, even you, I'm I'm sure you wouldn't say our eternal destiny, our eternal ju- you know state with, depends on if we believe that Adam had a foreskin or not. I mean that's oh of course not. No, you yeah. wouldn't say that. But I think no. some humility is certainly in order when we come to the scriptures. Yeah. No doubt about it. And and guess what? My favorite store is open again, Barnes and Nobles. I feel like I'm about two or three hundred dollars <laughs> behind on spending. You know, the only Bible I don't have is the John MacArthur Study Bible. Uh-huh. And I've been itching. to. They said it's on the shelf. I've been itching to buy that because of the commentary. Yeah. You know, and I've been listening to him every morning on uh you know, when I drive into work. Uh-huh. And uh, so, uh, and then, of course, I pick you up, you know, when yeah. I can during the week, but sure, I, you know, I'm inside you. the building all day. Well, John is a um, real, he, John's the real deal, and he's, he's uh, you know, he's, he's a real uh, lover of the Lord, and, and I, I certainly respect. I don't agree with 
every particular uh, perspective necessarily. And I assume probably someday it'll be proven he was right and I was wrong, but because I really respect him and love him greatly as a brother in Christ. But, but you know, we have different experiences and different. You know, he's been a pastor all his life. I've been on the mission field, dealing with people from other cultures and other societies and other language groups, and uh, so our experiences are a little different. And maybe that's a good thing, you know. Uh, Maybe yeah. God uses some people yeah. to speak to certain people and uses little old soapy oh. dollar to speak to a few people that maybe John wouldn't reach. I don't know. Well, oh, yeah, I'm, I know that's true. I mean, you know, even in my case, and he has a little series right now on uh, the the attitudes, you okay. know, like a different look at it and stuff, and something I haven't heard before and not that I've heard everything. But, you know, I just like the old style preaching, you know, yeah. you oh, know, me, I, me you know. <laughs> I like the I old just preachers. Do. I do. I remember what uh, I one thing I like about the Beatitudes. Remember oh, D. James Kennedy? You, I think he was the one, the first one I heard to call him the the Beatitudes. And then mm-hmm. uh, Jacob reminded us that the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, that, that was essentially Jesus keeping the command of God for the king of Israel to teach the Torah to the people every seven mm-hmm. years. And so uh, I always thought that was a wonderful insight. And and, uh, and, then, I, mm-hmm. and then I looked up that word, you know, that actually means uh, superior or beautiful, you know, the attitudes. Oh, is that know? right? And, yeah, it's, you know, that's all there. You know, you know, I start looking up words, and, you know, if I don't know what a word is or understand it, yeah. I'll look it up, and then I'll just get, you know, I'll find out what it means, and then I'm there another hour and a half. On that, yeah, <laughs> you know. Definitely anyway, a beautiful, beautiful mess, powerful message that it, we have there in the opening mm. chapters of Matthew. Well, I hope that you, Jacob comes back one of these days. All righty, I'll talk to you later. God bless you, friend. Don't worry about it. There is our music. We are out of time. The books of First and Second Chronicles will go right on into the book of Second Chronicles this coming week. Don't forget, go to thebiblelive.com. Go to our podcast or go to am630theword.com and join with us as we make our way through the entire Bible every year. God bless. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.